You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, another weekday, another Locked On Syracuse for you guys. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here with you as we always are, but today we've got A very fun and very insightful interview with Anthony DeBundo. We are going to break this into two parts over the next two days, Thursday and Friday. Anthony DeBundo is the football beat writer for the Daily Orange this year, and he really took a deep dive and did a 2020 season analytical preview about the football team, went through the offense and defensive stats from Football Outsiders and some efficiency numbers from collegefootballdata.com. Very, very insightful stuff here, kind of breaking down what to expect, what are some things to look out for going into this upcoming football season, which is right around the corner. So we'll break this into two parts. Today's episode, we're going to touch on the offensive statistics that Anthony highlights in this article, which I recommend you checking out over at the Daily Orange, and also some other things, just sort of a season preview on the offensive side of the ball, talking things out with our friend Anthony DeBundo. So without further ado, let's bring him in. All right, we welcome in our friend Anthony DeBundo now, who is the football beat writer for the Daily Orange. Wrote a great article on some analytics on the offense and defensive side of the ball for Syracuse football. Some of the stats from last year and how it might pertain to this year's season. But before we get into that, DeBundo, got to ask you, you're on campus right now. How weird is that, being a college student in the midst of this? Yeah, I, I walked across campus uh, Monday afternoon after a class just to kind of get a feel for what the vibe was like. And there's there's quad there's tents up on the quad uh, where some outside classes are being held. Uh, you know, food.com and the Newhouse Building, which is a, a frequent place of mine, and, and it's usually buzzing uh, at all hours of the day. With, with oh, it's humming! It's always humming. Completely. <laughs> uh, so it it it's very strange. Uh, the, you know, it's hard to recognize people with, with the masks on, even like your friends and stuff. Um, so right now the COVID cases are low. I'm still going to multiple classes in person. So that's good, but it certainly is nothing like a normal year. Here's the interesting thing to me. And and a lot of whether or not college football goes off or not is going to depend on the responsibility of the students. This may not be a football issue. (laughs) The, the possibility of football actually being played this year based on what you've seen on campus. And again, we know there was that big party on the quad uh, to kick things off this year. But based on what you've seen on campus, if that's an indication of whether or not football goes off this year, where do you stand on that spectrum? I think, I think we've seen that there's cause for optimism. Part of it is that central New York has done so well with the, with keeping the coronavirus cases low and that there's just not that much COVID spreading around the region. So that it's hard to get into infiltrated into the campus, but there are going to be some small flare-ups undeniably, and it's and it's going to remain to be seen if they can keep those down. I'm more concerned, much more concerned about schools and hotspot areas. I just don't see any way where not only is the coronavirus higher in prevalence, but there's less distancing going on. I know anecdotally from schools in the South that there's much less distancing going on than there is here in Syracuse. Yeah, I'm down in the South, and I think I can attest to that. But that's good to hear your report on campus is, for the most part, optimistic. Crossing our fingers over here for this season to go on, I'm sure you're doing the same. But let's get into this article that you wrote. You went deep in the analytical game on this article. I think we can start with the offense, and then the second half of this will be more on the defensive side and what you picked up on that side of the ball. But offensively, what stood out? 
thought when you went through the stats on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think anyone who watched Syracuse last year could could probably tell you that the number one issue started with the offensive line, right? Obviously, they were replacing the majority of their line from two years prior uh, in 2018 when they had you know one of the best offensive lines in the country, really. Uh, and the numbers dropped off pretty pretty precipitously. I mean, they went from the, the stat we like to use for rushing is line yards. It's a it's a measure that assigns the the rushing success rate to the offensive line only. So it kind of takes the running back out of the equation and says how good was the O line at, at, at moving moving opponents and getting yards. Uh, they dropped from two point seven to two point three four. So that dropped them all the way down to ninety third in the country. So they went from one of the the better O-lines in the country to one of the worst, and that's on standard down. So obviously when we talk about the Babers offense, they're not necessarily built on explosive plays. It's a lot of, uh, you know, they're going to run the dive and they're going to run those those horizontal passes a lot. Uh, and when they can keep themselves ahead of the chains, they can be very effective. And then the speed starts to take over and it starts to wear the defense down. But what happened was when they were running in first down and getting stuffed repeatedly, uh, they were stuck, you know, having to pass the ball more vertically, which requires more time to throw, which they didn't have. Uh, and obviously the sack rate, which was the kind of the main stat you look at, um, only two teams had more sacks uh, against them than the Orange did last year. And their sack rate was significantly higher uh, in 2019. Their sack rate was 12%, which was uh, much higher than it was Yikes. in 2018. So, you know, you look at, you know, both run blocking and pass blocking. Once they got behind the chains, it was pretty much you were just getting ready for the punt. Uh, and how many times did we see that it was the dive, dive, sack, punt, offense for Syracuse last year right probably the most frustrating thing to watch in football when that's the sequence you go in drive in drive out but one of the things that everyone's talking about is the reasons for optimism on why this offensive line can improve and I guess from the outset I would also air with that I mean you saw the sack numbers go way down once there was some continuity on the line with a lot of the guys that should be coming back this season but when you look at the fact that Dino Babers is pointing out that there's a couple injuries on the offensive line that could be major injuries. And on top of that, a couple guys will probably opt out and I'm not going to pinpoint names, but when you do the math, if there's three or four guys that are starters that opt out, chances are one of them is going to be on the offensive line. It, when you just look at the math of things, when you take all that into consideration, are you optimistic that this offensive line can be better in 2020? I actually am. There's, I mean, there's almost nowhere to go but up at this point, right? Uh, they yeah. were so bad last year. Uh, this isn't my stat. This is David Hale from ESPN. It was, it was in the article. The pressure rate for on Devito when those four Aaron Service, uh, Carlos Valorado, uh, Bergeron, Matthew Bergeron were on the field. Dakota Davis. They were much better. Uh, at, at they were ten percent better in terms of of keeping uh, Devito away from getting under pressure. And they averaged almost a full yard more per rush. So. There is reason for optimism, and they were only on the field for 38% of the snaps in 2019. But like you said, and and I think Dino kind of blunted the optimism a little bit for me when he said that there are multiple players out right now. He didn't say who. Uh, we know Service is practicing because they, they wouldn't have made him available for media if he wasn't, and he was made available multiple times throughout this process, including this week. Um, but we do not know the status of everybody else. And again, like you said, the opt-out looming situation um, – from what I've heard, there is one, maybe two starters that are currently not going to be playing this year. Uh, so that leaves a problem, you know, with a team that doesn't have a ton of depth on the front line. Also, the Chris Blake transfer news, we don't know the answer to that yet either. So is he going to be eligible or not? We'll see. 
All right, we'll take just a quick timeout here, and then we'll get back to more of Anthony's stats in just a second on the offensive side of the ball. But I want to tell you guys about rockauto.com. I don't know about you guys, but I know one of the biggest headaches, at least it used to be for me, is getting something wrong with your car because that ultimately meant that you had to go to the auto store, and at least that's how I used to go about these things. And then you'd go to that guy behind the counter, You'd ask what the price is. He gives you a price that's somehow outrageously higher than you ever dreamed it could be, and they always seem to be ripping you off. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore because we've got the solution. If you're having any troubles with your car right now or if you're just trying to get you know, some new oil or new wiper fluid or any of that easy stuff, go to rockauto.com right now. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you could possibly want. Very easy interface. And once you go there, be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put Locked On, the podcast network here, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and every single part your car will ever need. That's at rockauto.com. Yeah, holy cow. How long is it going to take for us to figure that one out? Tyler and I have dedicated, I think, a minute or two each podcast this week on where the heck is that waiver NCAA because obviously that has been I don't even care if they turn it down way. either. Like, if you reject it, so what? Yeah, reject just tell it. Us. I, I just want to know. That, that, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, we asked uh, someone in the press conference the other day, asked Dino about it. Obviously, he didn't speak specifically, but you almost got the sense that he was almost frustrated by it. There's something going on. Uh, as to why we don't know the answer when Alan Griffin, you know, from Syracuse basketball got the waiver already and he's already ready to go. Uh, his transfer was much later than Chris's was. So that that's another big piece. I mean, if, if they add him uh, and, and he can fit well with the team, you know, that's another huge addition. Yeah. And not I to mention that, Griffin's you know, season doesn't start for three months. Right. Right. And the most yeah, important several other... down though for D for Dino's offense. I mean, the, the, the first down yards per rush is crucial. And we saw in those last three games against Wake Forest, against Duke, and against Louisville that the offense found success in, on the ground, and it led to a lot more uh, going forward. So that's really the number one thing to this offense. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you about that. I thought it was interesting you pointed that out in the article because I think that often gets overlooked when you discuss the offensive line last year. You immediately would talk about the gaudy sack numbers, which you brought up, and how – DeVito can't get into a rhythm in the vertical passing game, but so much of Dino's offense is those first and second down runs, and they just weren't anywhere close to good last year. And part of me is concerned because now you lose Mo Neal, and I know you cited some stats how Abdul Adams statistically was a little bit worse rushing-wise than Mo Neal. So how optimistic are you that the running game can have somewhat of a turnaround? Because I do think that's crucial. Yeah, I think those potential potential opt-outs uh, may be coming at that position. But I, I, it's un, it's unclear, nothing's set in stone yet as to who's going to take the field in September. Uh, if it is Adams and Jarvie and Howard, uh, Howard proved to be a little bit more efficient on the ground. Uh, we will have to see if Adams made made a jump in the offseason. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it kind of does come down to no matter who's running running behind that line, it comes down to them. Uh, so, you know, I think a part of being a, a, a product of that, of that offense is can you consistently grind out four to five yards, not even necessarily breaking the big play, uh, like we saw with Mo Neal a few times last season. Can they get consistency? Uh, I'm just not sure that they're going to have that, especially if there's a couple opt-outs. 
Another position that really needs to bulk up on the consistency front is on the outside wide receiver. We saw Taj Harris take a step back in his sophomore season, and it seems like him and Tommy DeVito just kind of have to get on the same page. And even they've said as much during these these Zoom press conferences that they've been a part of. But when you look at the receiver position, and you've got uh, you've got some experience there, but also you, you've got a lot to figure out there. Why is there reason for optimism that Syracuse can have a good aerial attack? Yeah, obviously the the loss of Tristan Jackson is is huge. Um, he was their most important uh, receiver last year. He had the highest usage rate of anybody on the offense. He, you know, he was kind of the the engine that made the offense go, especially on those underneath balls. Taj Harris has to prove that he can be more than just a deep receiver who who flashes occasionally in games. Uh, he he's he was pretty effective, uh, you know, for a couple of years as kind of the the third or the second option. Um, you know, making that leap to number one is huge. You face better corners. Uh, he has to be able to do a better job of getting separation. His route running last year was a little bit uh, questionable, especially on the underneath stuff and then the hands, of course. But can he be the guy that's going to get them 10 to 15 yard chunks underneath? Um, I'm less worried about the big play from him because that's always going to be there. Uh, and, he, you know, he showed that a couple of times with some big plays last season. But the consistency to be able to move the chains and get that first first down is important. And I don't know that he has that chemistry with DeVito at the moment. And I don't know how much they were able to work over the summer. I mean, they talked a lot about how when quarantine started, they were, they were having meetings and, and, you know, talking over, over the phone and, and have, and they spent a lot of time together during the pods and the quarantine period in June and July during the workouts. But, you know, what does that mean when they're on the field and, you know, we're implementing a new, the Syracuse is implementing a new offense as well. So I don't know. One of the other positions that I'm really intrigued with is the tight end spot, because that's a group that, although the sample size isn't huge, I've been very impressed with them when they are on the field and especially in the red zone. Um, Do you think the tight end position is the best unit on this offense? I, I, I will say that I think Tommy DeVito got a little bit too much stick last year for his performance. Uh, I, I may be, um, that may be an unpopular take amongst the the Syracuse fan base. I like it though. I think <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, no, I can buy into that though. Like Devito, in terms of just as a passer, uh, was effective when he had time to throw and was accurate. Uh, and you know, that's why he was such a highly touted recruit. It was his arm. Uh, when you forced him to be a runner, when you when he took a lot of hits, he did not do well there. There's no denying that. But he did get a little bit bigger. As far as the tight ends, absolutely, I agree. Uh, like we said, the sample size is small. I want to see if, if Syracuse goes more to them in in first and second down situations and not just in the red zone. Obviously, Benson and Hackett scored nine touchdowns last year combined, but their usage rate was super low and their efficiency rates were super high. Can we get uh, a situation where Syracuse is turning to to them on those first and second downs? Uh, you know, We see more two tight end sets because they don't have as much depth at receiver. I think that's more of a possibility. Uh, and I think that uh, that that would be a good way for Syracuse to try to make up for the fact that they are a little bit thin at receiver. Yeah, I'd love to see them use Luke Benson a little bit more. And I know you kind of mentioned how in, in the article that his stats were actually pretty good last year. Who for you are some players that you're eyeing as potential breakout candidates on the offensive side of the ball? Because I think Luke Benson would be at the top of my list. Yeah, it would have to be it would have to be either Jawar Jordan 
who really popped in very limited sample sizes last year. I think we may be seeing a lot more of him this year. Uh, and, and it has to be Luke Benson as well, obviously, to play as a freshman. Uh, he didn't have a spring ball. He didn't have a spring ball again this year. That was something he talked about. Obviously, he still has not had a spring ball. Uh, and then, of course, summer workouts being so different for him. His ability to be a good receiving tight end may be, uh, may be the underneath option that DeVito needs, especially if the O-line is going to struggle again because they can't keep going. And one of my criticisms of Babers from last season was that they kept trying things that clearly weren't working, and they never really made key adjustments. And it wasn't until after that bye week than the Duke game that they made some adjustments with, with Alexander leaving and Bergeron coming in and changing up some things, but they didn't make enough adjustments and it was too much of, you know, we're going to keep trying these things. And he kept saying, we have to execute, we have to execute, we have to execute. Well, at a certain point that clearly wasn't working. Uh, and so maybe Benson's breaking out as a, as an underneath option that Syracuse has really never had, at least in a long time, a tight end could be, could be a big factor. In this analytical analysis that you wrote on the dailyorange.com, what is the number on the offensive side of the ball that sticks out the most to you? I, I will go with it's it's going to be that standard down line yards number. Uh, that's the number Football Outsiders uh, gathers it, which is, it's a wonderful site for both NFL and uh, college football. If you guys are into that, they that number you know, was what we where we saw the biggest drop off from year one or from 2018 to 2019. Uh, that number is the the linchpin for the Syracuse offense. If they're successful at running the ball on first down, they will be a successful enough offense to compete and win ACC games. If they are not, they will not. So that's the number one number one metric to look at. Is that what you'll be looking at? Like, let's just fast forward to week one here. It's UNC first possession for the orange when they come out on offense what are some things you're going to be looking at right away to see in that first game what what we're going to be expecting the rest of the year and what are some of those kind of key burning questions that you'll be eyeing in that first game i mean who starts right we don't know about yeah. offensive linemen we don't know about uh, opt-outs um, but once you get past that it's going to be is the is the two tight end set more used this year than not we don't get formation data, uh, unfortunately, through through some of the the various sites I look through. So that'll kind of have to be a charting type thing that I that I plan to do as we look at the season. But uh, that is number one, and number two, early down pass rate. Uh, we do get that, and so I will be looking forward to seeing how much Syracuse is passing on early downs versus running, and if it's any different from last season, given how much they struggled on it with running. The explosive plays, that's something that, especially the early years of Dino Babers, we would see a lot of these 60, 70-yard plays down the field. But if I read this correctly, it seemed like those numbers were down from a season ago. Is that just the offensive line, or is that the, the scheming that, that Babers has has drawn up for this team? Yeah, I think the number one thing is that they weren't that explosive two years ago either. Uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, people who go back and remember that Syracuse offense from two years ago, they remember the the big wins and the big in the big games uh, and whatnot. They were not one of the top explosive teams in the ACC uh, in 2019 or 2018. Uh, in 2019, they were almost near the bottom. They were 13th. But even in 2018, they were sixth in offensive explosiveness on standard down. So you know, some would say they were the second or third best offense in 2018 in, in the conference after after Clemson and maybe at North Carolina State, but they were not 
winning on big plays. It was consistently moving the chains and allowing the, you know, the orange is the new fast offense to wear down the opponents as the game went on and grind out uh, touchdowns. And, and they were much more efficient in the red zone, which, you know, is a, a huge difference in 2020 or 2019 where they dropped off. All right, we're going to pause it right there because that wraps up the offensive side of this discussion and break it into two parts with Anthony DeBundo over at the Daily Orange. Tomorrow on the show, we dive into the defensive numbers and we also get Anthony's take on just how many football games Syracuse is going to win this season given this strange schedule. So we are gearing up for the football season here at Locked on Syracuse. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the defensive numbers and some very interesting numbers at that from Anthony's research. So we'll give you guys all that tomorrow. Feel free to follow the show on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Syracuse is our username. And we'll chat with you guys tomorrow on the show. Oh.